Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. I have a, another outstanding show planned out here for you today. And I say I, because I had a little ego moment yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, to clear the air right off the bat. Oh, you uh, brought it up. Or what? Fantastic. <laughs> this is all about betterment and the more that everyone else knows, the better. So I had a little ego moment the other day, uh, yesterday actually, when someone referred to the collective as Sean's show. And How I was like, dare they? I was like, what? Sean's show? Sean. <gasps> and then I was like, hey, you know what? my name's Chance Burles, not like, this Sean. Is, this is this is my sh and then I was like, no, it's not it's actually my the show. Chance Burles, the Chance Burl. The the all caps Chance all caps show. across the board yeah so i had a little ego moment i recognized it as it was happening and went wait a second whose show actually is this and so we were in the green room a second ago and we were actually talking about this and we we thought about it and we we're like whose show actually is this and really what it comes down to is is that it's it's all of our show this is everybody i'm here clicking buttons sure but it's it's all it's about the guests it's about the watcher the viewers it's about the people who watch it later it's the people who listen to it as a podcast it's about the collective that's what it's about and so every day when we uh when we jump on here and i do the exact same thing like telling everybody that they should be liking the channel and subscribing to it and hitting the notification bell and all that stuff i am a cog within the machine and that means that i have an integral part of the collective, as do everybody else, even Sean. So even me, even you. Do I have to keep showing up then? <laughs> yes, you do. And okay. even if you were to find someone that uh, could replace you, I'm not letting you go. Even Jay, even Jay, Jay, <laughs> whichever way I'm pointing. Um, but yeah, so we have a great show here planned for you today. I just wanted to make sure that that was out there because it then needs to be uh, that happens to everybody. And as you said, Sean earlier the first step in that is recognizing that it happens and then you can move on from there. When your ego flares up, we should be able to look at it and say, wow, silly ego. <laughs> let's, let's not do that and move on and then move on with life. I was, uh, well, you know, if you, if you don't recognize it, it's the responsibility of your buddies to call you out on it. hundred percent. And so, and the other piece is it's, we're not just calling out the negatives. Like, uh, Chance, let me ask you a quick question here. When is the most, when's the most recent time I gave you a Chance Burles is on fire in this podcast? Uh, that would have been last night in right. the IG stories, yeah. Correct. Uh, can you remember a time when I've ever said that about any podcast uh, ever on IG uh, in referencing you? Referencing me? Hmm, specifically. Uh, a, number, a number of times uh, in the past as we've been... Hmm. I don't but know do you remember you me ever fire. saying Chance Burles is on fire in this one? I can't say that, no. Because I never have. No. And so that's my point. So it's our responsibility to call out when uh, uh, someone's ego is flaring out. And it's also our responsibility to give a nod to someone when they've crushed it. There's a there's a left and right arc. There's a large bandwidth. There's there's It's not just... Uh, uh, a one-way street of doom and gloom. It's also a, a two-way highway of awesome and rocking it. So mm -hmm. you've got to figure out uh, for everyone out there, uh, if you're listening to the collective and and you see a guest come in and they carry the entire show, it's only it's only because of Chance Burles is doing his little uh, wizard behind the curtain over there, plus engaging in the conversation, plus shaping the conversation. So the reason I said that you were on fire yesterday, buddy, is because you were, you were so flowy McFlowing. You're the way that you were interacting and just being really present and, and not trying to make the most important point in the world that you'd been chewing on for 27 minutes during the entire conversation. You were in it. You were just ebbing and flowing with the combo. And I thought it was a beautiful thing. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's the best podcast you've ever done. And that's why I said you were on fire. Uh, but then within a matter of 12 hours, I was also saying, bro, are you big fat ego fingers having problems typing right now? <laughs> so, you know, yeah, good with the bad. Absolutely. I, this well, is, uh, go ahead, Jason. What do you got? 
Yeah, just one more point. We said just before you started recording the thing about the ego is it's not, there's nothing wrong with having an ego. You can't, I don't really think you can silence your ego. You just have to be responsible for it and the consequences of either having control of it or not having control of it, right? Because we said, you turn on social media, you get a little bit of an attaboy from anybody, you're going to feel good about it. You're going to have your ego stroked. It doesn't mean that you got to go run around the street and yell at everybody that Chan Burles has a awesome podcast. You can, you can sit with that, but it's about control. Like we were saying, there's nothing wrong with sensing inside your own mind. Hey, my ego loved that. You just don't have to go running around screaming it at the top of your lungs. Right. And people, I think people mistake their ego as something that they have to destroy or get rid of. It's not, I don't think that that's true. You just need to have responsibility for it and its actions and consequences. 100%. It's a, you can weaponize it. You can, you can ignore it. You can do all kinds of things with the ego, but it's our job to figure out <laughs> how to use it to the best uh, of our ability. And until you consider how big or small your ego is and how to shape that on a daily basis for the demands or requirements or the challenges in front of you. There's times when I've had to flare my ego up to mega and there's times when I've had to silence it and moving back and forth between those two things is not just a once per year thing or a once per day thing. It's constantly throughout my day. I'm 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 contracting and expanding it in order to meet the needs of what's directly in front of me. Uh, I think that's the key. Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead, Jens. No, you you go go for it, man. What do you got? Well, I think that's the key that people missed is that uh, your ego is sort of like on a daily spectrum, right? The ego is this thing that uh, encompasses everything from like the most basic desire you have, probably the most complex thoughts that you can conjure up when you're trying to, um, you know, live by a moral and ethical code, right? Your ego is there to sort of be the bouncer at the door of all of the things that you're thinking of. And people forget that the ego is not just the impulsive part of you, but it's sort of like the higher conscious part of the mind that can dial up or dial down the ego when needed. Like Sean is saying, you can use the ego as an amazing tool, or you can use it as, or you could ha have no control of it and then be a dangerous weapon, right? So you can weaponize it for good or bad, I think. And that's exactly the things. It's a spectrum. And people forget that. And I hear all the time men and women talking about the ego death and, and killing their ego. And I don't know if that's the appropriate thing to say. I think it's what you said. Weaponize it for good. Make it something that's a good tool for your toolbox instead of trying to just completely dissolve it. I don't think that that's an effective strategy with this thing inside our heads that is us. It's just whether we inflate it or deflate it as the situation or the environment needs, right? I think the thing that I like about the statement of uh, crush your ego or uh, dissolve your ego, and usually these phrases are used uh, in respect to psychedelics like ayahuasca or uh, ketamine or whatever, something that uh, is generally correlated with uh, crush the ego, destroy the ego. And I don't think it's a bad thing if someone is using it as a tool to better understand their bandwidth. So if you've got a massive ego and you have no idea what no ego feels like, then find a way to crush it so that you or dissolve it to a point where you have some context like, oh, wow. So this is what it feels like to have way less ego. And then you can understand, oh, I've got way too much ego. And then by narrowing that bandwidth down until you've got the appropriate focal range of how you want to shift uh, your ego throughout the day, instead of this, it's now this is your operating uh, system. Well, that's for all of us to figure out how big and how small we need to shape our ego in order to interact throughout our day. And so I think it's important to understand that it's an ebb and flow thing or it's a it's a uh, expansion and contraction is probably a more correct term for the ego per day, per minute, because I know some fellas, it's Men's Mental Health Month uh, this month, and ego is obviously a thing within men. I think there's men out there that um, create an ego and feel that it's fixed, that it's static, that I always act like this. I, I always go in and own the room. Um, and so that fixed mindset in respect to ego if that's your all day, every day solution, 
how on earth can you interact with people who are fluidizing their ego? If you're if you're a yeller, like if you walk into a room, you yeah, well, you know, they did this and they did that. And everyone is standing in front of you all chillaxed and they're ebbing their ego to, you know, 4% instead of 97%. Like the dissonance there is so obvious to the people who are at 4%, but not obvious to the person who's at 97% raging. And so if your if you're standard operating procedure is always to operate with your ego out of check, then you don't even know you're out of check because you've never tried to check your own ego. You feel that your standard operating procedure day after day is normal in context of this is how everyone does it. But until you start playing with all aspects of your life or all internal uh, uh, systems, then you'll never be able to use the tools that you've been given throughout your entire life, all the, all the wins, losses, people that you've met, all the wisdom, all of the, all of the stuff. You'll never be able to use all of that to its full capacity until you understand the spectrums of each thing that's within you. Yeah. The, um, <clears throat> there's a great corollary that I've, it's been percolating in my brain as we've been, as you guys have been talking about this. It's a dog. It, it is the, the idea of a working dog. Right. If you can utilize your ego correctly, you can get your dog to do things. Right. Like my, uh, my, my uncle's dogs that are on the ranch, they are highly trained, highly skilled, and they can be told to, yeah, uh, to run hundreds of, uh, uh, hundreds of uh, meters away, round things up and bring it back in and be a tool. But they're not brought in the house. Right. They're kept outside as a working dog. And it, there's a separation from it, but there, it is a useful tool. But at the same time, if you were to have a dog that is totally un, out of control, they run the house, right? They are all over the couch. They're all over the bed. They're all over you. They're up in your face. They're down in their face. They're barking at new people. They're yelling, at the, et cetera, et cetera. And then on top of that, other people will weaponize their dogs. And that's where you get those people who walk into a room with 97% ego, right? Their ego is the weapon. And it protects, protects mm. the soft underbelly, right? Of your own mind, your own consciousness. And so yeah. I think it's a perfect allegory in that if you want to manage your ego, if you want to be able to maintain your, uh, to be able to utilize your ego, it takes training. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes day after day, small disciplines consistently applied over time to be able to utilize it as a skill set and as a tool rather than allow it to just run ramshackle all over your house. I like it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's almost like putting a gain controller, a volume button on it. Right. Yeah. Like, like what, like what Sean was saying, if you're in a room and uh, one person's ego is dialed up to 10, you're not able to hear anything else. If everybody's down at one or a two, because that's the energy level of the room and everybody's sort of, uh, uh, interacting at that level somebody comes in and the volume button is you know cranked up to top level you're not going to be able to hear anything and then and that goes for personally too right you can't hear with them you can't like sean was saying you can't go back and learn the lessons of life if your ego is constantly in your head screaming at you all of the things that may not be true that may not be real wisdom that may not be uh, the reality that you actually exist in because the ego is, we all know it lie to us. It'll create a facade for us. It will defend us against reality and truth. And uh, that's what I see. You know, some people, some people just have this ego. That's a volume stuck on 10 and they don't know how to turn it down. You know, they don't know how to train their dog or they, they just completely lack any self-awareness. Their ego is completely out of control and that they have, absolutely no wherewithal as to what their ego is doing for them yeah so i you know what i like about the collective sometimes we get not tangentially but sometimes we get onto a subject where either me or the chance burl show the chance chooses <laughs> a a we'll call it a subject and and now it's dogs or now uh, the guest will choose something, and now it's a slider, an audio slider. And then as I listen to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah, I get it. And then 
my brain needs to like work with those two things. And I, it's making me think outside of the box in respect to, I understand the subject well enough, but now I'm having to consider the subject rapidly and deeply in order to connect it to a dog or an audio slider, which makes me again, think a little bit more richly. And so here's what I was thinking with dogs. <clears throat> if, if that's the ego, our dog is a chocolate lab. And the reason that I shopped around Canada to try to find what I considered to be the best dog for us is because the dog, the breeder uh, is nationally known for creating good working dogs that have an on off switch. So they're either on like task or they're off completely, which means our dog strider, he just lays around He's just totally off chilled, smiles, wags his tail, says hi to everyone, whatever. That's his off mode. But his on mode is freaking on like a mega athlete. And so I didn't want a twitchy dog running around the whole house, like making me irritated. You know, the, the, the yappy dog irritates me. I like a dog that has an on-off switch. Mm -hmm. Much like a, I, I like people who have an on-off switch. If you're always on, man, if, if after a day or two, I just want to be somewhere else away from that person who's too on. And so the, the, the audio slider idea is uh, with, to your point, Jason, sometimes when someone is yelling so loud at a 10 out of 10, here's what begins to happen. And I'm no audio sound engineer, but at a 10 out of 10, after a little while, what starts happening with a microphone, you start getting feedback mm -hmm. that, that, that pitch, that wailing pitch, the, the, the audio feedback in your own headset, because it's peaking too much or it's audio feedback. I'm sure everyone understands. And so, uh, then you start hearing your own white noise. You're kicking white noise out to the world and it peaks so hard that then the microphone feedback into your headphone. Now you're now it's just white noise all the time. Every time you say something, it's white noise in your head. If you dial down that audio slider to a, seven out of 10, you're not going to get any feedback from the microphone into your headset. You're going to be able to still yell fairly, fairly loud, but at least you'll be able to hear the outside world because now there's no white noise feedback for dogs. When you're, when you've got a dog, whether it's got an on off switch or not, irrespective of that, the dog's still got to be fed. The dog's still got to be watered. The dog's still got to be walked. The dog's still got a dot, dot, dot. And that is our ego. If you're, if you've got a dog bowl and a water bowl, you know, as well as I do that any dog has a certain rhythm, has a certain amount, has a certain X, Y, Z. That's how you raise a dog. You don't give it too much food. You don't give it under food. You have to give it the right amount of water. You, you don't take away the water. So there's a way to raise a dog and there's a, a way to raise someone's ego that you feed your ego too much. Uh, guess what? Now your ego's getting fat. You don't mm -hmm. give your ego enough food. Now it's getting a bit too skinny. So you got to figure out your own ego and how, as a hunting dog, we'll call it, you work best out there in the wild amongst your friends. 100%. You know why the, that image kicked in my head so, so clearly was the fact that it, you know, I've been around working dogs for a long time. And even when you look at, um, you know, military working dogs, same thing, right? When you put the vest on, time to work, take the vest off, time to chill, right? And there's this up and down, but it's always understood that they are a tool, right? They're not a, um, they're, they're not your best, they may be your best friend, but they are still a tool, right? They're, they're still something to be utilized for a job. And I think that's important to be able to understand when to turn it on, when to turn it off. Otherwise it's just nebulous, right? We could, we could use it anytime. You never know, right? Versus, um, you know, there's working dogs, there's military working dogs, there's hunting dogs, there's tracking dogs. There's the, the, everything has its own little subsect, but it still specifies that it's a tool. And I think that that is why it's such a great allegory for the ego is because the ego is a tool. And if you use it well, it can drive you to do things. It can push your, um, <clears throat> your desire to become better, to, to, to level up, to step up into the game, to be like, okay, I'm ready for this. Let's get, let's get it. 
but uncontrolled, then it's not so great. So we we have gone on a bit of a tangent tangent well, into I don't ego. know. I like I like yeah, so like just a hang on a sec. So yeah. you know, speaking of that, um, I'll ask both of you. When do you think a dog is happiest? A hunting dog. Just hunting. I think a dog's happiest if it's a hunting dog when he's hunting. What do you think, mm -hmm. Chance? Uh, happiest? <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard question because I've seen a dog be absolutely on task, but I've also seen uh, a, a working dog roll over and be happiest when he's getting its belly scratched. <laughs> so so I think choose that, one. I would say when it's getting its belly scratched. Okay, so two different answers, which, and neither answer is wrong, by the way, but I'm going to make this point. So um, as a hunting dog, we'll, we'll now replace the hunting dog with a human, a, a man, we'll call it. And if that man uh, seems to be happiest when, it's, when he's working, well, he's going to work. But if he feels happiest rolling over and getting his belly scratched, he's going to roll over and get his belly scratched. We default to what makes us happy. Now, here's the important part. If your pattern as a working dog is always barking and hunting, that's what you're going to want to do all the time. And so you've, you've lost sight of the other joys of rolling over and scratching your belly. And the idea being that if, you're, if you want to be a working dog out there uh, in the social media space and you're a constant barker because that's what makes you happy, Think about stop barking for a while. And if you're uncomfortable with the idea of rolling over and getting your belly scratched, just getting a little bit of self-love from the internet maybe, try that. See how that feels for a little bit. See if anyone uh, uh, strolls over and scratches your belly, for lack of a better term. The point I'm making is this. Sometimes as guys, we can get target locked or focused on my way is the only way and my way is barking. And that's not the only way. And if you haven't tried getting your belly scratched for a while, like if it's been years, it's not a bad idea to open your mind to the fact that you don't just have to bark. True. Very true. It's, you know, you just, you just did an exercise in what and how the ego works, Chant, Sean. You just asked two different people two different things quickly, and we, you got a rapid response that was probably somewhat ego-driven because I gave myself... No time to respond. I just chose uh, chose w what I thought right off the top of my head, right? And now with some forethought, you know, when I quiet my own response and allow myself to think outside of just my ego, I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, there's every part of my ego probably deserves a little bit of something. Every part of my ego has its own desire, right? The immature part of my ego is all about wants and desires and, and dopamine-type cravings. And there's this superstructure of my ego that's all about thinking and forethought and uh, analysis and an intellectual conversation and stimulation and uh you that was just a perfect thing i kind of laughed inside as soon as you did that because you just showed us that the ego can very easily immediately just respond based on its volume level or its historical adaptation right so i respond really quickly with what i thought before i even allowed myself to step away from that egoic response and gave myself more time to think about it. So it's well, kind of that, funny that you did that. That's why I love this place. That's yeah, why man. I love the collective. And so the, uh, your answer, by the way, neither answer was wrong or right, or it's, they're, they're neutral answers to some degree until we do what we're doing right now. And that's not shredding it apart or tearing it apart, or it's diving into the responses just a little bit deeper to, better understand not only ourselves, but the person across from us in the virtual uh, space that we're in right now. And so like your response would have been my response, uh, Jay, like I would have chosen a working dog wants to work. I want to work. If, if, if I'm a ninja assassin, I want to go ninja assassin. If I'm an accountant, I want to go accountant. I want to do what I am. And, uh, but that's my default is I want to, I want to go do. And, Chance's point is is awesome as well. I mean, we we got to learn how to chillax as well. I've learned how to do both a whole lot better for sure. But the point being that just just between the three of us, we could have three separate answers 
to this one. And I don't think there's a wrong answer out there. Where I do think it's a wrong answer is when we all just spit out an answer and give it no further thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and that's uh, the... Sorry, go ahead, Jason. Sorry, Chance. No, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead, Chance. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say that the, uh, the... I think the reason why the dog is such a great corollary for this is that <clears throat> dogs live in the moment, right? Dogs are happiest doing whatever they're doing right, right now, right? If it's, if we're chilling, getting our belly rubbed right now, check, good to go. If we're hunting, sweet. I like hunting. If we're going for a walk, cool. I like hunting or I like going for a walk or, Oh, we're, we're eating now. Okay, cool. I like eating too, right? It, there's this consistent right now. And I think that we as people, especially with the different aspects of our own, um, within our own mind, especially with our ego, we stop being here in this now that we are ever in, right? We, our ego starts to play into the future. It starts to play into the past. And this is what I've always done. So I'm going to continue doing it forever. And whereas mm. a, now where, whereas a dog lives in the now. Right. And so when you say, you know, what, what makes the dog happiest? Well, I think whatever makes the dog happiest is what it's doing in this moment, because that's what it likes doing right now. Cause that's why it's, it's do That's why it's doing it. At least in my mind, but you got some pushback, Sean hit me. It's not pushback. I, I think what you're saying is, is good and right. And I'm not pushing back to like, take us in a completely, whoa, hang on a sec, <laughs> but just a little bit of nuance maybe. So if, if we're, calling the ego the dog the dog is in the now as you state a chance but without direction if you open that door that dog will run all over the neighborhood and hit every fire hydrant it can 100 and so who runs the draw who who controls the dog who controls the ego mm -hmm. the owner For, yep the responsible yeah. owner will have a good dog. The irresponsible owner will have that dog that runs all over the neighborhood and craps on the neighbor's yard. Mm -hmm. The ego requires an owner. The, the dog requires a responsible handler. And if the handler has had no formal training or hasn't been around other dog owners to observe through osmosis how to manage a dog well, then your dog is out of control and you don't even know it until you either go to the dog park and see good dogs or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. And so if the dog is the ego, the dog can be well-trained or the dog can be a disaster. The dog's going to do the dog thing. It's going to be in the now. It's going to do what makes it happy, what blah, 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 all that stuff. But if the dog is the ego, it needs a good handler. Yeah, I like that. That's a handler. Cool. Jason, you got something? You know, yeah. Um, the ego, our, the human ego is attached to all of our subroutines. It is, uh, I think it's intrinsically linked into our subconscious. And I'm sure you guys know that for the most part, we run subconscious routines all day long. Like 95% of what we do every day is subconscious routine. And so without recognition, you can easily find yourself just running on the ego program right and you won't even realize that you're running on this ego program and i have caught myself on many many occasions now that i've started to learn a little bit about it and become a little bit more aware that every once in a while if you want to refer to it as the dog you might have a well-trained dog but even a well-trained dog without the owner around is going to go pee on a fire hydrant once in a while right even a well-trained dog if it's told to sit and stay if the owner disappears long enough, the, the dog's eventually going to get up and go. The dog's eventually going to disobey if the master's not around. And uh, <clears throat> when you were talking about being present, chance, and being self-aware and, and be, being in the moment, you have to do that every moment with the owner, like Sean said. You can't ever let your ego go. You can't even like a well-trained dog. You can't just give a well-trained dog freedom. No matter how well-trained a dog is, if you're gone as the owner for a few hours, that dog's going to revert back to rate, being a dog, right? You give it enough time and a dog's going to revert back to being a wolf. So I think you have to also recognize that you, what you're saying is so true. The owner can never, ever be gone for more than a little while. You can't give your ego 
free run. You can't train your ego for a little bit thinking, okay, I got my ego trained and then just walk away on vacation. You're going to come back and your house is going to be destroyed. All your slippers are going to be chewed and there's going to be dog poop all over the floor. (laughs) And so I think um, just to, just to further con the conversation. Yeah. I think the ego could be like a dog. The higher part of our mind could be like the owner, but you can never, ever relent. You don't ever get a day of training off. You don't ever get a day off where you can just let your dog run the house or, or do whatever it wants. It'll do what you want when you tell it to. But the moment you turn your back, the moment you forget that you have to be ever present with your conscience or your conscious, it's just going to do what it wants. It's going to fall back to subroutines and following the old patterns from the mammalian brain and from the, the, the lower level part of our mind that doesn't require higher level thinking. The dog is just going to become a dog, right? I'm going to push back on that a little bit. <clears throat> and the reason I'm going to push back on that is first off, I'm going to give you time to go steal some more Wi-Fi from your neighbor. And <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, man. It, the, uh, the second part I wanted to push back on is the subroutines are based on training, right? So if you train your ego well enough, then your subroutines become the trained routine. And so you can, and this is why I like the terminal, at least in my mind, it works better. I like the terminology of the handler because an owner is, at least in my mind, a bit of a, it's like an overarching kind of like, I own you, you must do what I'm, I'm telling you to do versus a handler, which is more of a directionary kind of thing. Oh, we're going to go that way. Oh, now we're going to go this way. Um, in my mind, at least. And so the little bit of pushback I'm going to give it is that there's examples all the time of people being able to train a dog to a degree that if they leave, that dog will not move, mm. period. And it will sit there and it will crap itself on the floor right beside it and it will not move because it has been trained to that degree. Now, we can do that with parts of our own mentality. There will be a reversion, like it will revert back to its training, but if the training is developed enough over a long period of time, then those subroutines that you're talking about aren't the one aren't the instinctual ones they're the one that's trained and so you can you can still handle the dog you can leave for two or three hours without it getting anxious and running around over the all over the house but if you're gone for four or five days or two or three weeks then those things start to revert but the initial subroutines are still based on the training because the training is present and it's consistent if that makes sense Right. So how about this? I agree. I agree. You can uh, train uh, a subroutine so that it'll sit there at attention for a day and not move. However, a day plus 10 minutes, that extra 10 minutes might just be the point where it rolls over into, are you ready? Hmm. I wonder if he's coming back. Yeah. Where's my owner? Where's my handler? Oh, I'm starting to get a sense. I'm distrusting this now. I I feel a certain <laughs> sense of being let down. I feel a sense of betrayal. Where's my owner? Where's my handler? He said he was going to be right back. But now it's two days. Where's it gone? And that that evolving sense of distrust, we'll call it, is maybe you'll get away with it once or twice or three times. Sit, stay. I'll be back in a day four, five times in a row, you're 10 minutes late. That dude said he'd be back in a day, but it's been a day and 10 minutes. I can see that he's not trustworthy. And that's the ego to some degree. If you run too hard of a program against it and say, sit, stay, and then disappear and not observe, well, that ego is going to start acting up. The, The one in a million dog who will sit there properly trained for two days and not move, is one in a million. And so as men, we need to talk about one in one. So every single man needs to understand that for in respect to our ego, it's for us to handle it. It's for us to teach it. It's for us to learn not only about how to handle the dog, but it's for the dog to teach us how to handle ourselves. It's an interoperative process. Yes. I need to get good with my ego, but my ego needs to get good with me. It's a play back and forth. It's I can't sit here with my brain and tell my body that 
I am going to manage my ego perfectly for the rest of my life. It's an interplay between the two. I'm, I'm telling it what to do, but it's going to push back at me when I'm not paying attention. So it's my job to pay attention enough to manage my ego without fixating on my ego so that I'm micromanaging it every second. Again, I'm going to refer to what I started this with. You've just, I found I had to get better at expanding and contracting my ego rather than shutting it completely down and turning it completely up to a 10 out of 10 like it's an on-off switch. Mm -hmm. To Jason's point, it's an audio slider. I like yeah, and Chance, Chance, I do agree with you. Um, my point and your point are kind of, I think we're, uh, I think we're maybe just dealing with language that might be a little bit different. But I do agree with you that you that we're talking about dogs. So now we're talking about in the human realm when we're an analogizing like we're dogs. Well, there's different breeds of dogs, right? Mm -hmm. You can train a Belgian Malinois or a German Shepherd, and they might just sit for two freaking days and wait for you. Or you may not be able to train the Chihuahua, except if you train it every day, all day long. So, yeah, you're right. There is a hierarchy scale that everybody has to kind of recognize in themselves. You know, if we're talking about dogs, what kind of dog am I? Am I a German Shepherd or am I a Chihuahua? Do I have, do I have the physical and mental wherewithal to um, be off leash without my master around for a little while? Or do I require daily hourly monitoring because I'm a shaking little nervous chihuahua. So I think, yeah, like we have examples of people that uh, have a subroutine that's rock solid, you know, like the Dalai Lama, and <laughs> um, some other people in history who are that one in a million who once they've attained a specific level of mastery within their mind, that's all they need. They don't ever need um, somebody to come in and tell them how to get better, or they probably don't even require any, uh, all that much, hard work inside because they're like the they're the one in a million type of dogs but for me personally i'm not the dalai lama man i take it's a daily thing for me it's a daily thing to keep my ego in check because i find it falling back into routine if i don't pay attention so it's like that little slider that we're talking about or the or the the dog breed i'm not sure exactly where i am but it can i i see that you can very easily you can very easily turn to chihuahua from german shepherd if you're not careful <laughs> Yeah, let me ask you a quick question, pal. Um, yeah. Why Why aren't you the Dalai Lama? Why yeah. am I not? Why the aren't Dalai you the Dalai Lama? Lama? <laughs> but no joke. Why aren't you? Well, ooh, we could go real deep on that one, Sean, but I thought, I suppose, we got some time. I'm not the Dalai, yeah, well, I'm not the Dalai Lama number one because I don't want to be that kind of person. Okay, so, so, suppose, so before you go any further, let's just kind of chunk it out. You don't want to be that person. Why not? The Dalai Lama is a powerful, massive spiritual and religious figure. And that's not something that I've ever thought of being in my life. It's not something that I would get fulfillment or joy with. So I don't have my arrow pointed in that direction. Hmm. Why, 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 why is that? Why do you think that you couldn't be that? Or why is that? It never been a consideration or is it just a case of you just thought is it a not worthy or is it not you've never explored the idea of, of being that grand scale or what would it be oh well um it could be any number of things it could be the environment that i grew up in it could be the ge geography where i was born the parents i was born to the socioeconomic status that i currently have or did have as i was being raised it could you know, there's a million factors as to why being the Dalai Lama is not something on my radar. It just, uh, uh, based on my characteristics and the experiences that I've had, um, the information I've learned, the people that I walk, work with, the, my, my cultural status, my employment history has never given me the spark to become the Dalai Lama. Um, I think mm. it's, so, it's so complex to become something like that. I have to break it down forever to really give you a solid answer, but I have, it has to do with many, many factors. I agree. I agree. And so uh, I think this is a good point to inject the idea that um, all of those are external factors that have got nothing to do with internal. And I'm not suggesting that you're incapable or you are capable of being the Dalai Lama. 
all I'm proposing is this. You've probably never thought about it before. And so um, all of the things that you listed out, socioeconomic and geographic and et cetera, uh, and, and moving away from the idea that it's uh, Buddhism related or whatever the case is religion based, uh, the simple fact remains that you've never maybe considered achieving the sense of awareness, we'll call it, or enlightenment of the Dalai Lama, because through external factors, you've identified maybe, oh, I don't even own an orange robe. How could I even be the Dalai Lama if I don't have an orange robe? Well, I think we all can achieve a certain sense of Dalai Lama, but not too many people try because they don't have an orange robe. You know what I mean? Where well, do we get orange robes to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> the toga party. I thought you guys were going to do a toga episode. That's a good point. Uh, we should. We should. Maybe an orange robe episode at some point. <laughs> we got. I got a couple of really great comments here, but do you, any other thoughts on this before we jump on those? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm just proposing that think big, you know, think yeah. think outside of the box. Try Try to imagine being mega, mega awesome. Where's the harm in that, you know? Yeah. If one person in the world did it, then that means that human beings can do it. I think that's true. I've said that many a time. I I heard uh, a really wise, uh, and I don't know the right term, Rastafarian um, priest. I don't know the actual term. And he was saying that, you know, he said, uh, nothing stops me because if one person did it, that means that people can do it. You know, so if a human being has the capacity to be, come enlightened like the Dalai Lama or to um, try and go to Mars like Elon Musk. Well, they're just humans, right? That means that if it's achievable, then any other human being could basically achieve it because we all have the same physiological and biological hard and software basically to do it. So you're right. I think, Sean, what you're trying to say is it's all in your mind what you're going to do, whether you want to achieve it or not. Yeah. And and Jason, you know, like, you're a, you're a, a smart guy, avid reader. You have a curious mind. You're intellectual. All of the good stuff. There is literally nothing from stopping you from being a Dalai Lama like thinker. And so, what does he? What is he doing that's special that you can't? He reads more. So read more. He meets cool people. So meet some cool people. He dot dot dot. So do dot dot dot. And I'm not suggesting that. By mirroring all of his actions, you can surpass him or achieve his level or underperform against him. Who cares? It's not about contextualizing Jay versus the Dalai Lama. It's about the idea that if that dude reads, I'll read. If that dude meets, I'll meet. If that dude talks, I'll talk. If that dude listens, I'll listen. He's just a human being that has been given a title that somehow feels like unobtainable, but I disagree. If a, if another man can do it, then so can I with enough effort. And I may not achieve his outcomes, but I'll get pretty close with enough time and effort. Agreed. I like that a lot. <clears throat> I was just thinking the fact that uh, really when it, comes, when it comes down to it, every, anytime you say something is impossible, you just set yourself a limit. There, you put yourself under a ceiling <clears throat> or if you say you can't do it you're under a ceiling unless and, you're uh, tom cruise because every time you say it's impossible it's another movie and dun, you just bankrolled dun, yourself dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> like the joke eh? it should be called mission improbable mission yeah improbable. mission <laughs> and maximum uh cash uh, mission <clears throat> is very difficult <laughs> yeah i think the the new mission should just be well give it to tom cruise <laughs> Like it's, there's, I will say this though. I did see a clip of him riding his motorbike off the edge of a ramp and uh, kicking the bike free and jumping into a free fall position and falling uh, with his motorbike, uh, his latest Mission Impossible 37 stunt or whatever. And uh, I dig it, man. Uh, and why I dig it is because uh, that that guy is out there pushing his own envelope. But by pushing his envelope, he's pushing the move the movie industry envelope. He's pushing the stuntman envelope. He's pushing the big box envelope. He's pushing my envelope. Because I watched him, uh, the video clip that I saw, he did it six times in a day. Tom Cruise committed to six times in a day. He jumped off a cliff six times. I'm like, 
whatever, man. I'd do it 12 times if someone's paying me the amount of money that he's getting paid, and I get crustless sandwiches. Freaking bring it, Tom yeah. Cruise. And so he's in a privileged position that he's created himself through a whole pile of work and luck and all of that good stuff and some crazy talk. But he's got him in so- himself in a position now where I'm watching him jump off a cliff thinking, yeah, I can do that. Whether I ever do or not is immaterial. It's for us to present to the world the things that are possible if you manage your ego. I don't look at Tom Cruise and think, screw Tom Cruise, he's too successful. What I do think is, that dude can do it, I can do it. And then my next thought is, and I could probably do it better. And is that my ego talking? No, it's it's my got about 370 jumps talking. And so my ego is not so bizarre that I look at Tom Cruise doing that stunt and think, I'm Tom Cruise. What I do think is, I'm Sean, I've got a boatload of jumps, and I'll crush that guy. And it doesn't mean that I am competing against Tom Cruise so hard that I'm diminishing him. I'm just keeping it real with myself and being aggressive with shaping my ego on, yeah, I can go do that. And sometimes that's what you need to do with your ego is push it a little bit. Be adventurous. Be more than Tom Cruise, if you want to call it that. And have a little bit of faith that you can kick some ass. And if it doesn't go well for you, guess what? Congratulations, life lesson. And you'll build out of that. But don't try to shrink your ego so much that you're not adventurous. But don't try to make it so big that you think you're Tom Cruise. I was just thinking that uh, probably... Uh, the reason why you think you can do better than Tom Cruise is that the whole Mission Impossible thing you did through your whole career. And you were just yeah, like, yeah, that, that okay, number two. Yeah, I did that one too. Five? With yeah, no crustless sandwiches. No crustless sandwiches in the dark with my eyes closed. <laughs> in the rain. <laughs> in the rain. No big deal. Just crushed it. Jason, what were you going to say? Itchy shirt on, itchy sweater. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Itchy wool sweater. <laughs> uh, did I, you have a I thought there, buddy? Yeah, go ahead. The ego, the ego is almost like a self-limiting boundary if you haven't got control of it, right? Because you'll end up coming up against it, and it'll tell you something that's co- completely false. You know, like you said, Chance, it'll uh, that creep, that thing will creep up in your head that I can't word. Um, I made a video about that a couple of days ago, and I kind of laugh about it now when I hear the word I can't. I just, I just chuckle because um, it, it, that's an ego, that's an ego statement. I can't do this. It's a weak part of our ego. You know, if you can get rid of the ego and just tell your body what to do, you'll eventually see, oh my gosh, I'm way more powerful than I thought I was. I'm way more powerful than I thought I was. Your ego is telling you things that aren't necessarily true all the time. That's one of the problems. So I think that is a self-limiting boundary. And uh, Tom Cruise probably doesn't have much of a boundary anymore. Yeah, and you know, when you put up that video about I can't, that that to me, and, and I enjoyed the video, of course, I think I mentioned that, but that I can't piece is just one end of the spectrum that everyone has to get right with. The other end of the spectrum is the, I can do it all. I can do everything. I'm really good. I'm the best in the world at everything. That's the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so um, you've got to believe in yourself. When you're standing on a... a um, a race start line, and it's a, a big event as an example. When you're standing on that line, or I'll, I'll use myself as the example, when I'm standing on that line, I'm looking to my left and right, and I'm cutting every throat in my mind. You're all going to lose. You're all going to compete against me. It's game on. Now, I'm a highly competitive person in a competitive event. Everyone that drove to wherever it is in the world and showed up on the start line, there was no confusion there. They weren't driving to go get a cup of coffee. They were going to a start line to kick my ass. And I'm going to the start line to kick their ass. There's going to be a whole bunch of ass kicking, and there's going to be one winner, and there's going to be a whole bunch of non-winners. And I've been in that category of non-winner a whole pile of times. But that's that's no big deal to me. I don't care about that. What I do care is that I recognize when I stand on that start line, it's ass kicking time. And my result will be my result. And I'll be happy with my result. And here's why. 
because I'll have got after it. I'll have given it my best. My ego will suffer or flourish at the end of the race based on what the outcome was. Nah, I wanted to be first and I got 12. Or I got third and I'm freaking stoked about that. It's our program to run, man. Our ego is not a one and done thing. You, you show up on the start line looking at everyone thinking, you're all going to get your ass kicked. And then at the end of the event, you're the one who got your ass kicked. But it's your ego that is going to spin that little tail into all kinds of different stories unless you get a handle on it. Yeah. Well, and I think it's almost like having an ego with a resume. You know, because if you have, you know, like all of these uh, layers of experience that you bring forth, your ego can sort of flip through all of this. And then you'll be you'll see that your ego will probably have a response that's better because there's a maturity that comes with that resume. So as I'm hearing you speak, it's like, OK, well, I know a little bit about, you now. So I know that you've got a resume that's thick with experience. So now your ego isn't arrogant at the starting line because you've won before. Because right. you kicked other people's butts before and you know how to do it. So it's not arrogance now. You're confident. You're bringing that's forth right. your ego. You're, you're bringing forth your ego with this massive resume that says, I know how to do this. And I'm going to do it because you've done it before. And that's so, right. you know, the ego at, at, that, at that level now, your ego is reading your history. You've got something, you've got something to go up against where your ego isn't falsifying data for you, right? It's not bolstering you to make you feel good. It's literally looking back on you and saying, oh yeah, we've done this before. We got this. That's a really valid point. Yeah. The, the ego or the, uh, the ego resume. I like that. We're going to, I'm going to use yeah, that quite that's often. Awesome. <laughs> um, any other further thought? Please I got, don't put I it on hit... a t-shirt. <laughs> just you wait. Um, <laughs> it'll just be like someone's head as a, uh, a high air balloon. <laughs> like ego resume. Um, yeah. Any Jack other thoughts? I got, yeah, the chance to show. <laughs> um, any other thoughts before we, I got some great comments here. I want to hit, yeah, hit the but... comments, buddy. All right. So we got um, right off the bat, um, Octavian says, Aloha, gentlemen. Paternal depression hits home with me, but I have to go play with my 10-month-old who almost killed me and his mom in the first three months. I'll definitely be listening later. <laughs> Apologies, Octavian. We uh, went on a left-hand turn there. Ego, ego is what we went on. But either way, it's great. We I think we had a great conversation to begin with. For sure. Um, Anne McEwen, dog's most happy when there is connection, positive ah. reinforcement, and appreciation, which I really like. I like that a lot. True words. Yep. Uh, winter storm, a dog is happy because they know they're being the best dog that can be. And that includes anything they are doing at the moment. I like, I like winter storm, winter storm. Right. And he carries on. He says, we sometimes as humans wondering if someone else is doing better. Dogs have no, no negative self-talk. That's another portion of the ego actually that I wanted to get into was the, the self-talk portion of it. And that is a developed skill set because it can be negative if we allow it to be it can be positive if we train it to be and that's part of it they actually had a great post on um uh building the elite put a post that's yesterday right, this morning oh, wasn't it this talk. or was it was yesterday it, it was this morning either i don't way. know maybe either way uh it's out there check it out if you guys aren't following building the elite you should be <laughs> um but they had a great post on that a whole breakdown on uh self-talk in general so do check that out uh, and hits back with, and that positive reinforcement means boundaries as well. Also a very important portion of dealing with an ego and a dog. Uh, salty jinx. If you build patterns of life with the right focus, uh, that will outlast the trainer and benefit the individual. Mm -hmm. I think that's hundred percent right. It's the same thing that the military patterns of life, baby. Yep. Yeah. Um, winter storm again, <laughs> anything we will ever do is achievable right now. Someone just hasn't figured it out yet. Well, we're freaking figuring it out right now. hundred <laughs> percent. This is the way. And then Anne says, he may not be the da B.I. Dalai Lama. However, Jay is my Buddha. My Buddha. Buddha. Uh, I'll take I think, it. I think Buddha spelt with an H, but it is, but we'll accept Buddha. Buddha. <laughs> getting, getting your, uh, your, your, someone else's carry gold Buddha. There you go. <laughs> Slick like Buddha. Slick like Buddha. That, you know, it's, it's interesting too that this conversation gets kind of kicked off. This is 
a bit more along the lines of what we have been doing in the past, more of a free flow kind of a show. Wouldn't really come into this with a bit of a topic, but I believe that the, the conversation at least has brought us to a point that we can analyze how we utilize our own egos. And again, I said this right at the beginning is that it all starts with the recognition of whether or not your ego is involved in your decision-making, right? What, whatever you're thinking at the moment, you should be able to actually kind of capture it, look at it and say, is that my ego or is this something else? Yeah. But what if you don't then like you have, a bunch of guys do, then you have a uh, look at their ego. Well, then you have, uh, unfortunately have, a, unfortunately we have what we see on the internet all over the place right now is people screaming, uh, Tanya put something in one of our little mix things was the old man yells at cloud <laughs> that when you're not checking your ego, when you're not constantly looking at it, that's what you're doing. You're yeah. yelling at so, cloud. Yeah. Okay, good. So what do we do about it? I think this is it right here. We talk about it History openly. Now, yeah. We discuss it. We develop the concept so that others can go, Oh, wait, wait a second. When I walk into my house and my dog is all over me and it's looking at my face and I'm trying to take my boots off and it's just un completely uncontrolled. Why? And I think it starts with that question. Why is this happening? And mm. then you can, once you ask that question and figure out the answer, then you can move forward. So what if you don't ask yourself? What if you don't even recognize? What if there's even no why? Mm. Then well, you, you should... Know. What do you got, Jason? Then I think it's on us to try and help people figure that out. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and yet you didn't. I was giving it to the guest. Oh, as it, It's not my yeah. show, remember? The <laughs> Chad's World show. show. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to oh, make sure... Really? <laughs> You're so ahead, thoughtful Jason. as a host. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Chance. Thank no you. Big. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chance Burles, and welcome to the Chance Burles <laughs> Where I have all the thoughts, but don't say them. All the thoughts. But I have to no. make sure that my ego is stroked enough to that when somebody else says Well, you're stroking, buddy. You're stroking. I, I uh, yeah. no. <laughs> Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. No, what I... Do you got? This is a this is a little bit of a side tangent because it's not just men's mental health, but if you really look at most of the major problems that we all have as people, I think it's all driven by ego. You know, we're really new on the scene with, with understanding our ego, and and uh, as far as our human evolution goes, too, the ego is something that we barely understand and have control of as a as a people, as an overall people on planet Earth we really are not good at controlling our egos. And I really do think that that's a problem for, or that we could probably follow the path of the problems in society, in culture, in the workplace, in individuals, in the family dynamic. You can probably follow most of that to the ego. Getting control of the ego is um, paramount, I think, for overall mental well-being. And I see mentally unwell people all over the place. And what I see in them is me and how I was when I wasn't in control of my ego. I literally can see the characteristics of me, the ones that are in my rearview mirror that I really dislike and I'm putting distance between. I see that in so many other people who I can't have a conversation about ego or mindfulness or anything with because they're not there yet. And uh, I find that as a ma massive societal problem because if I can see it in me, in other people, that means that I think it's probably an ever-present issue. Um, and so I, it's a great talk because we all, I think, need to have a better control of our ego. I think it really catalyzes a lot of the personal and cultural and societal issues that we have today. Yeah, and you you have the courage to be able to state that out loud because it's so powerful that a dude can say, man, that was me, but now it can see it in others. And that should encourage other men to look at themselves today and look at themselves a year ago and see some change or no change or a lot of change. And that's what you have to focus on is not, not how am I doing today, but am I better today? Am I better than a year ago? Am I a better version of Jay? And if you can keep telling yourself yes, then freaking rock on, keep on crushing. But if at any point you think to yourself, man, I'm letting myself down. 
I'm worse off today than I was a year ago, whatever that means to you, change it around, you know, find someone who, if you can't change it around yourself, find someone who can help you change it around by demonstrating to you that, bro, I get it. You're me. I'm you. I'm here. You're there. I got here when I was over there with you. And how did I do that? Here's some tips, tricks, pointers, steps, sequences, protocols, patterns, all of the good things. Here's some stuff that you can start to do today to start moving forward, shrinking your ego or contracting and expanding your ego ego in a synchronized way to the real-time moment that you're living in right now and figure out a way to become positive, not negative in the world. Indeed. At the end of the day, it's on us, mm. right? It, it, mm -hmm. any, any benefit that we want to see in the world, start here. I think that is the, uh, the overarching element within the collective uh, across this whole podcast that we've ever come across. <laughs> it all starts here, but it does not end here, right? You start with yourself and then it, it starts to expand and it starts to expand and it starts to expand. And as you learn, as you grow, as you build, <laughs> you enable the people around you to do the same thing. And so, you know, um, Sean uh, used to say this all the time, you know, I can only show you the door, but Sean rightly corrected me on this is that not only can I show you the door, I can show you how it works. I can go through the door, turn around and come back and be like, look, it works. You just have to step through. You just got to turn the handle. You just have to begin the work and then keep doing it. I, and I think I also added one more piece to that. That was a conversation from quite some time ago. So yes. it's uh, good that you remember that, but I think I added one more piece to that. And sometimes I'll open a door and show you how the door works and stand on the door myself and walk into it and walk out of it and say, here, this is how it works. And if you go and look and then you don't feel like you want to step through the door, sometimes I'll kick your arse so hard that you'll fly through the door. And now you're in a new space. Enjoy and I'll help you out. Yeah. But sometimes that's what it takes, man. Yeah. You can show all the people, all the things, all the time. And sometimes it just takes a, oh, no, you're going through the door. Yeah. That's just the way it is. <laughs> well, that's, we said it pretty right. like, sort of, it, That's kind of like, um, you know, we, we've uh, uh, hinted on, um, and, and the conversation has hinted on truth. So, Sean, you're kicking the ass, I think, for some people is when you finally have to give them the harsh reality. When you have to give them that wake up call, like, okay, I've had my hand out for you. I'm doing the things you're interested in the things and you're just stuck there. That person is obviously willing or obviously worth the kick in the ass, right? They're worth Agreed. kicking in the ass. There's some people that unfortunately they're not worth the time to kick them in the butt to get them past the threshold. You know, they're just, no matter what you do, they're just not willing to do that. But you, you, in order for anybody to benefit from any of this, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to accept the honesty of it. You have to, like, when mm. we're talking about ego, that that's a time when you have to get rid of your ego completely. You need to shut your ego up, put the volume level on zero, put your dog in its dog crate, and then just listen and learn. And maybe that mentor, that person that's kicking you in the ass, Maybe that's exactly what you need. You just needed that thing. Sometimes people need that kick in the ass. That's like the proverbial shove that they need, right? Yeah. And 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 usually it only requires one kick. Yeah. And then a short time after, they're through the door looking at the world, figuring things out. They step back in the door. Now they're in the same hallway with me and they can say, now I get it. Who's next? Now it's two yeah, of us like, kicking some ass. You know what I'm saying? Showing you the truth. You just showed me my own truth, right? You revealed to me something I wasn't willing to see. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We got. Uh, I got one more comment, and then we'll do some final thoughts, and then we'll be able to uh, carry on here uh, for the rest of the day. But <clears throat> Salty Jinx says, "Small habits, one at a time, till they build up, moving you forward." The point should be to make your capabilities exceed your wants until you need to alter your goals. I dig it. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um. Any final thoughts on ego, on anything we've talked about? What do you think, Jason? 
Yeah, I've often thought, like I said just a short while ago, that ego is one of the greatest problems in 21st century humanity. I think that um, gaining some control of your ego is literally the doorway to mental health freedom. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems in the future. That's that's a given. But gaining control of and being able to sit with your ego and be present with it is... I think it's probably one one of the leading factors that you can do for yourself to make yourself better and level up. The ego is a very powerful weapon and left unchecked. It's like a German shepherd that's never been trained. Imagine an off leash German shepherd with no training. That's a dangerous dog and an ego with no, with no checks and balances is a dangerous ego. hundred percent. John. Yeah, I don't have too much more to add to this now that Jason has wrapped it up so well. Uh, so Jay, thanks, man. Thanks for uh, showing up and bringing the heat, being an integral part of the conversation. Uh, thanks, Chance, for the Chance Burl show. Man, I, you're you're stealing my thunder. I was going to come in with that. I knew you were. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I do really appreciate it, uh, Jason. It's been a great conversation. I think. Not only was it kind of impromptu, but it allowed for a lot of really great development of what not only what the ego is, but the fact that it's it's able to be managed, right? And that the the first step in anything is learning about it. So as we learn how to manage our ego, as we build upon the skills that we have to mitigate the negative sides of our ego, we can then grow into our ego and utilize it correctly and you can do that every day here on the collective we'll see you tomorrow chimo chimo